0: Everybody repeat out loud after me, Lord, Lord. help me let go. Do it one more time, Lord, Lord. help me let go. My question to you today is, what is it that you need to let go of to fully embrace the life that God has for you? What is it that's keeping you from really leaning in to everything that God has prepared that's what we want to talk about today. If you haven't been with us, we've been in a series called Summer with the Shepherd, and we've been looking at Psalm 23, kind of walking through that uh, verse by verse. And last week, I talked about walking through those dark valleys. And, uh, and even though we go through those, and we had one this last week as, as we buried Bama, uh, a 33-year-old here in our church, and it was just such a tough time for all of us. But you know what? We find that even in the darkest times, our God is near. Amen. And we talked about the fact that those valleys are, are a natural way of God walking us uh, up on, onto the mountain. Today, I, I wanna talk about uh, the next verse of this. And, and I think this is gonna open some insights for some of you, you maybe looking at this in a way that you've never really looked at it before. If you've got your sermon outline and you wanna take that out of your bullets and track along with me, uh, you can do that. We'll throw everything up on the screen. By the way, there are Bibles in the pews and those Bibles are our gift to you. Uh, if you'd like to take one of those home with you or give the, one of those to a friend, please feel free to do so. Just note that they are in Spanish and in English, so make sure you get the, you get the right one. Here we go. We'll look at Psalm 23, uh, verses four and five. It's short. Would you read this out loud with me, please? "'Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. "'You prepare a feast for me "'in the presence of my enemies. "'You honor me by anointing my head with oil.'" My cup overflows with blessings. Now, it's interesting in this this particular passage because David's been talking, uh, speaking as a shepherd or as a sheep and just kind of using this uh, analogy of this imagery that he had when he was a shepherd and talking about his relationship with God and how it correlates to us. And then you hit this verse and it seems almost like David takes a little bit of a turn. Now, the New International Version that we read today says, you prepare a feast before me. Other other versions use a different word. What's the other word that they use there? A table. You prepare a table before me. And you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And sometimes when you would read that, I think the imagery that we'd have in mind, we would jump from this idea of being a shepherd to a king and having a table as a king and the enemies all around But let's stay with the shepherd imagery. Uh, Philip Keller has some really great things to say about this that I thought were just so perfect because a table can mean a table like what you see out in the lobby or someplace, but it can mean something else. Um, When you see these flat areas around in Oklahoma where you see these mountains and there's a flat area on top, what do you call that? A what? A mesa, a mesa or a plateau. Some use the word plateau or, or a mesa. Anybody know what mesa means in Spanish? Table, table, it's table. And Philip Keller, and I think I think he's right because the way the way David walks in the song says that when the, David talks about preparing a table before me, it's not talking about a table like we would think of it. He's talking about a table land area that would be where he'd be taking the sheep to to graze. Now, remember last week we talked about if, if as the shepherd is walking the sheep through in the summer that the the, the the foliage and everything, the, the grazing is getting thin. And so he begins to lead them up the mountain to where the snow is melted. There's a little more moisture and rain. And so there'll be a little bit more lush areas for them to graze on. And so they have to pass through these valleys as they're walking up. But the goal that, that is the shepherd is to get them up to these flat tableland areas where they can graze. Now, we've got a couple of pictures of what this looks like. Throw that picture up on the screen for me. This is a, a, a flatter area. This is actually in Hebron uh, in Palestine. And you, you can see, now this is an area actually that obviously had a lot of snow or a lot of rain because they have a lot of foliage there. Um, but this is an area where they would take them up uh, to where there is better grazing. There's this nice, lush area. Throw that next picture up on the screen. And here's another tableland area, and you can see, you'll notice um, the, the flat area there, and you'll notice that there are rocks, and then there's flowers and all that. <coughs> now, one of the things that the shepherd would would need to do would be to go in, up to that tableland area ahead of the sheep. And first of all, make sure that there aren't any wild animals, you know, actually making their, their home there. Uh, you don't want to kind of lead your sheep to somebody's buffet, you know, that they want to have. And, and so he would, they, they would take their, their rod, which is for protection, and they would drive off any wild animals that might be, you know, lurking in the area and try to get that cleared out. But also one of the other things that the shepherd had to be concerned about was what the sheep were grazing on. There are, are, are flowers and plants that if the sheep, sheep eat them, they're poisonous to them. And so they, they would walk through and, and make sure that they clear the land of that. And so think, think of it this way, you are preparing this table land before me in the presence of all of these dangers that I have, because that was the shepherd's job. And what I was thinking about this week, I was thinking, man, isn't that a great picture of what God does for us? Did you know that our God wants you to live an extraordinary life? Think about it. When Jesus, what, what Jesus said, he said, you know, the thief comes to kill and steal and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and that you might have it how, church? More abundantly. In other words, Jesus said, The reason that I've come is not only to restore you into a right relationship with God, but to prepare a tableland, to prepare a life that you can live in all the fullness and grace and power that God wants you to live it. So again, I go back to my question if God is wanting to prepare this tableland, if He's really wanting you to live a full and rich and satisfying and meaningful life, What's keeping you from living that life? What do you need to let go of to really take hold of the life that our Shepherd offers? Can we unpack that just a little bit today? When I when I done some reading and stuff, and I just kind of sat back with God and started just kind of letting my mind go, I, I was I really was overwhelmed. And I thought of a of hundred different things that, that we need to let go of, but I knew that you wouldn't stay here with me till three o'clock in the afternoon. So, so I, I, I narrowed it down to just four things that I think maybe most of us can relate to and see if any of these fit for you. You ready? Here we go. One of the things that we have to let go of is we have to let go of being our own shepherd. We have to let go of being our own shepherd. One of the things that we realize is we can never truly enjoy the tableland if we're always trying to follow our own paths, going our own ways, and doing our own thing. Philip Keller said one of the most frustrating things as a shepherd are sheep that just don't want to listen. <laughs> How many of you have been one of those sheep before? <laughs> yeah, long ago. yeah. And he said, you know, this is, this is the great challenge of, of shepherds are, are having sheep that just want to go in, in all different directions. It kind of goes back to that verse we had read a couple weeks ago from Isaiah 53. He says, we like sheep, you know, have gone astray. We've all gone our, our, our own way and we tend to do that. There's a nice uh, kind of picture of this in in Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 37, and Ezekiel's really kind of giving back, going back to this shepherd imagery when he says, read it with me. He says, I will take note of you as you pass under my rod and I will bring you into the bond of covenant. Now, what he's talking about there is the sheep, as they would come at night, as the shepherd would have them pass by, he has that rod, and he, he, he helps, and I'll talk about this in a moment, how he uses that rod to kind of inspect them, but that rod is also the symbol of the authority of the shepherd, and it's, and it's the sheep realizing that if I'm going to really be under the care of the shepherd, then I've got to be close enough where the shepherd can truly protect me with that rod. And that's part of the, the covenant is you get to be the shepherd, and I'm going to be the sheep, and I'll follow you. The problem is we get that exactly opposite. We are all subject to the original sin. And you remember what the original sin was? That we could be God. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, we talk about it eating the fruit, but remember what the devil said. He said, if you eat this, you will be like God. And that's the temptation that we have, is is to go our own way, do our own thing. And and I just want to say to to those of you who are here, I I know that that there are are people who who say, well, Pastor Steve, I believe in God. That's not the question is whether you believe in God. Um, Because some people will say, well, you know, I I, I, kind of get that. It's, It's not that I don't think about God at all. The question is, do you think of God above all? You see, what God desires is to be the shepherd. He desires to be the savior and the Lord of your life. In other words, somewhere along the way, we have to come to this place where we truly do surrender our hearts and lives to him and to recognize Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So at some point on this journey, we've gotta recognize that we need to surrender our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ as our savior, amen? And having done that, we need to embrace him also as the director of our life or the Lord of our life. And I think for some of us, that becomes a lifelong challenge. Um, Philip Keller was telling us, he, one of the stories he told was about one you that he had that was, um, he said, just always kind of doing their own thing. And he said one time they, they got up on a hillside and uh, next to a, a, a big lake. And he said, that they got too close to the edge trying to, trying to chew on some of the grass that was down lower, closer to the water, and they lost their footing and, and stumbled in, and they got stuck down in the mud uh, off the shore. And that he said, it took me six hours to get that, that, that ewe lamb out of there. He said, it took me six hours to do so. And he said, it isn't that how we are. We wander away. We do our own thing. How many of you have discovered that following your own path only leads you to a dead end? Anybody been there yet? If you haven't, you will. I I love how he phrases it in Proverbs, Proverbs 16, 25. Read it with me. He says, there is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. Great story. You want a great picture of human nature. Here it is. Uh, last October, up in, up in northern Michigan, there was a, a woman sitting in her living room watching TV on, in a given evening. It was about 7 o'clock, 7.30. And as she's watching TV out of the corner of her eye, she sees her husband uh, come into the living room, and she turns to say something to him. And all of a sudden, to her horror, she realized that's not her husband. This strange man uh, had just walked into their house And so she starts screaming, and the guy is just standing there in the living room staring at her, and her husband is upstairs, and her husband comes comes running downstairs, and he sees this guy. He starts yelling at him, and and the guy goes bolting out the door. Well, the man calls, you know, he calls 911, calls the police, and the police start checking the area. Well, two doors down, um, they find this man in his parents' backyard. This guy's like 42 years old. They find him. This is where his parents live. He's in their backyard down there. And the police walk over to him to, to talk to him. The guy takes off running and the police chase him. And then he runs, he runs into this wooded area and they can't, they can't find him. So they call for backup and they brought the, the canine crew out and they got these dogs and the dogs are looking for him. They can't find him anywhere. He, he gets away at least for a while. While the police are looking, they get a call from dispatch that says, hey, we just got a 911 call from a guy who's lost and wanted to know if you could come get him. And so they gave, he gave some, some things of what was in the area and the police went and sure enough, this is their guy who had run so hard away from him only to get lost and, and, and so the police pick him up but they didn't take him home. They took him to their home at the county jail. And I, I laughed when I read that story and I said, isn't, isn't that us? I mean, we, we feel the conviction of God or we, we hear the voice of God and we, we start running and we run and run and run until one day we look up and we have no idea where our lives are going. We have no idea how we got to where we are and we go, God, would you help me? And I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful that God in his grace and mercy reaches out to us at that point in time and snatches us up, amen. Somewhere along the way, we have to make this very strategic decision. We have to let go of trying to be our own shepherd of our lives and turn to the one true shepherd, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen, amen. Can I give you a second one? We also have to let go of the hurt. What I was thinking about what keeps us from really enjoying the richness of, of God in our lives? I, I started thinking about um, some of my own journey and some of the journey of so many people that I know who, who have been through brokenness in their life and yet somehow haven't fully allowed God to, to heal that hurt or move beyond it. And it's, it's like that hurt has become the theme of their life or that hurt has become the God of their life. And I thought, you know, for us to really embrace that table land somewhere along the way, we've got to let God be our healer. Amen. We've got to let him be our healer. We have to let him be our Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals us. He's willing to do that. Look at the passage of scripture. Psalm 147.3. Read it with me, church. He heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. Isaiah 61.1. This is a great prophecy about Jesus. Read it with me. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. I love again in the passage we read today, he talks about how you you prepare this table before me in the presence of my enemy. Then he talks about how you anoint my head with oil. Well, again, the imagery of the shepherd is as the sheep would come by, at the end of the day, the shepherd would stop them. He would take that rod that he has and he would he would push back their wool. He would take a close look at their skin to make sure, are, are there any cuts or scrapes that need to be tended to? Are there any ticks that need to be pulled off? Or is there anything that I need to take care of? And wherever there would be wounds, he would take this oil and he would pour it upon them to bring to bring healing as an ointment and an antiseptic to, to, to their body. And I thought, this is what God wants to to do with us. Look at me. Just hear my heart. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what kind of hurt you've had in your life, but there comes a time where we've got to begin to release those things to our Lord. Sometimes they're not easy to face. Sometimes they're not easy to acknowledge. Sometimes they're not easy to let go of, but somewhere along the way for us to really embrace the richness of the life God has, we've got to let him pour the oil of his Holy Spirit on those deep wounds. That we have. You know, there's two things that happen. And somebody, you'll get this. If we hold on to our wounds, one of the things that can happen is that we can just develop a really negative image of ourselves. We can begin to feel like we're worthless. That we're valueless. You know, that we're a people that not only don't matter to anybody else, but we really don't matter to God. Now, think this thought with me. If I really believe that I'm not precious to God, how am I going to really embrace and enjoy the life that I believe that he prepared? Um, our Celebrate Recovery had a, had, a, had a great little cartoon thing posted on Facebook. Throw that up on the screen. I love this. It says, what are you throwing away and down below as they're throwing us in the trash, you said, I'm just throwing away some old ideas and beliefs that were taking up too much space. And some of the ideas like I'm not good enough, or I'm over emotional, the failure, or, I'm too short, or, I'm ugly. And you can, you can know what your own trash is that you know you throw away, but there's a lot of things that have been spoken into your life that you need the healing of God to help heal so that you can really embrace the image that God has of you. Does that make sense to you? The, the other thing that can happen to us is when we've been wounded, particularly by people in our lives, we, we can develop this, this fortress of, of resentment, this anger that stays just beneath the surface. And sometimes we try to hold on to God with one hand and yet hold on to this anger that we have with the other hand and we carry this like a heavy, heavy burden. And somewhere along the way, we have to let the God who forgave us so much help us forgive so much so that we can be set free. Like again, I saw another picture perfect this week for that. Throw that up on the screen. <laughs> the guy carrying this huge bundle of the past, he said, wouldn't it be easier if you just left that behind? That is so true. Look at me, just hear my heart. For so many of us, our walk with God would become so much richer, so much more fulfilling if we could just set down that huge bundle of hurt that we're carrying and embrace our healer. Amen. Let it go. Can I give you another one? Let go of the paralyzing fear. Let go of the paralyzing fear. Love the passage of scripture from Proverbs 3. Read it with me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. You know, when I was, when I was again, camping on this verse, and I was thinking about these rich tablelands lands and, and the lives that God wants us to live, I, I started thinking about how often God wants to use us and, and not only work in our lives, but through our lives, and how scared we get of that sometimes. I mean, if God were to nudge you and, and tell you he wanted you to step up and do this or do that, uh, isn't, it, isn't it a fact that we just become really, really fearful and we think, you know, God, I'm not capable of doing that. I'm not able to do that. And we forget that it's not about what we can do, but about what God can do through us. You know, years ago, I had a, we had a young man in our church back in Phoenix that um, we watched it grow and, and, and just become this, uh, this fine young man, and eventually, along the way, he began to feel this, this call to ministry, and he had been helping with the youth and working with the youth, and, and he felt this, this call that he really wanted to be a, a youth pastor. He didn't have formal training for it, didn't go to Bible college or seminary, but he felt God, and, and you know, and that's a scary step, but sure enough, he, he stepped up and he became a, a youth pastor and began to, to run the ministry and, and did really well with it. And uh, then, then along the way, he, he began to feel the, the nudge to become a pastor, uh, a senior pastor, to be the preacher. And that really scared him out of his mind. And it was like you know I don't, I don't know if I can do this and and there was just a lot of fear, but in response to the nudge that God was giving, he actually accepted a full time position as a as a pastor uh, in a church and, uh, and and it was so interesting because several months after he took this position, he called me one day out of the blue I hadn't talked to him in a long while. He called me one day and he's talking about being a new pastor and all the things that he's learning and we're chit-chatting back and forth. And finally he says, I've got a confession to make. I said, okay, what's your confession? He said, I've been using your sermons. (laughs) And I said, dude, you got a whole internet world. You can do a lot better than that. And he said, you know, he said, I always loved sitting under your preaching. I always loved how simple you made everything. And he said, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm so new at this. And he goes, I'm just learning how to, how to do that. He said, and I've been using them. Then I said, I I started feeling guilty and I I felt like I had at least asked permission. I said, well, I I appreciate that, but that's fine. I said, you know, you're more than welcome to use anything I use. I said, just make sure you get the stories and things straight when you're preaching. I said, if you're listening to the CDs and you're preaching them, I said, if you go word for word, you're going to get yourself in trouble. You tell your congregation, you know, Wanda and I were laying in bed talking last night and, (laughs) you know, you might want you, you get to that, get that all worked out. But, but we, had a, we had a great conversation and, 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 and went back to it. And, and what was funny is I, I've watched him now since that time just, just continue to grow. And a year or so ago, we got to be out there where he's pastoring, and, and I got to preach for him and just watch the ministry that he's developed. And then yesterday on Facebook, I saw, I saw something, and I just, it just touched my heart so much. And uh, he had made this post. Throw that picture up on the screen for me. He had a, a post of this young lady that is now part of their church. And he, he with her permission, he shared her story. This woman had been uh, addicted to drugs and actually had been homeless for five years. And uh, two years ago, they, he, she came to their church and just was kind of at, at, at her wit's end and just saying, I, I need help and I don't know what to do. And this pastor and his wife came alongside of her, and they began to help her. They actually uh, did something they had never done before. They actually gave her some space in the back of the church um, where she actually was going to live for a while. And uh, she got herself set up, and they uh, she they helped her get a job at the uh, Safeway store. And she was working at Safeway, and she had lost her kids through the social welfare system because of her inability to manage her drug addiction. And so she was living there. She got her job. And he said it was just amazing how God just began to work in this woman's life. And here she is today, and he was sharing the story. Here she is today. You know, she has uh, found Christ as her Savior. She has grown as a woman of God. She's been clean and sober now for over a year. As of September, she will have worked steadily at this job at Safeway for over two years. And this last week, they helped her and her 19-year-old son move into their very first apartment and have her own place to live and, and start a life of her own. And as I'm reading this, this story on Facebook, I mean, I'm, I'm just choking up because I thought, again, stay with me. Here, here's a young man who was so afraid to take a step that God was asking him to take. But he took that first step as a youth pastor. And then that second step as a senior pastor. And I thought about this woman, I thought, you know what? Had they not been where they were, this woman could very well still be on the street, still looking for an answer. But because he overcame that paralyzing fear, God was able to use him to touch a life and to help change a life that might not have ever been changed. Look at me. Don't ever let fear keep you from the things God has for you. I love what the psalmist says. We, talked, we read this verse last week. It says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Psalm 27, one, read it out loud. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Can I give you one more? You have to let go of the shame. You have to let go of the shame. 1 John 1 9 says, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just, and He will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you believe that verse? But sometimes, if we're honest, we have a hard time forgiving ourselves. And even though God places our sins in His sea of forgetfulness, Sometimes the enemy likes to remind us of where we've been and what we've done, and he likes to use shame to hold us back and not fully walk and enjoy the life of grace and blessing that God wants us to enjoy. I I, I love Psalm 103, where the psalm that says, he forgives how many of my sins? All of my sins, and he heals all of my diseases. He redeems me from death and he crowns me with love and tender mercies. Read it with me, church. He fills my life with good things and God wants to fill your life with good things regardless of what is behind you. God wants to prepare the table before you. Paul says it so well in Colossians. You were dead because of your sins and because of the sinful nature that was not yet cut away. Read it with me. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us. He took it away by nailing it to the cross. I don't care what you've done, where you've been, or or how bad it's been. Paul says that God takes all of that stuff, he puts it on the cross, and he nails it, and there it is. And when Christ died on the cross, he said, it is finished. You don't have to kill yourself anymore. You don't have to, you know, beat yourself up every day. You don't have to do any of that because Christ has paid it all. Amen. You bet. Great story. Throw that picture up on the screen. That young lady's name is uh, Stephanie uh, Hanigo. She's an artist. That lives up in Connecticut. She, uh, a few years ago, she became just really dissatisfied with the art that she was doing and the stuff. And, and she just really felt like she wanted, she wanted to do something different. She wanted to uh, kind of express something, not just that would be picturesque, but something that would be deeply meaningful to people. Um, and so she started creating sculptures, and you can see that's one of her sculptures right there that she's standing beside. Throw the next picture up on the screen. And you can see these amazing sculptures. Next one, please. Just kind of flick through them. Yeah. You can see that beautiful seahorse, beautiful eagle. You can imagine that. The peacock. The fox. And then that, whatever you call that, the toucan. Is that what it's called? Toucan? I want to call it three-can. Three-can, Toucan. Uh, you know, I, I have no artistic ability, so I'm just amazed watching this. But but here here was the kicker. Here's what absolutely blew me away. Throw that next picture up on the screen. She creates all of those sculptures out of trash. Out of trash. Not not with the finest of elements that she can find. She has people who collect trash for her. Uh, even hazmat folks that collect trash stuff for her. And she takes this stuff and she paints it and she shapes it and she forms it and she turns this trash into treasures. Look at me. And that's what God has done for you. You have not trashed your life so bad that God can't make something beautiful out of it. God has taken our past no matter how bleak or dark they have been and God by his grace and his glory and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ takes that past and he sculptures us into something beautiful and good. Amen. Amen. Repeat out loud after me. Lord. Help me let go. My question again today is what is it that you need to let go of that can really help you to embrace this life that God has for you? Do you need to stop trying to be the shepherd of your life and just surrender to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord? Do you need to let go of some hurt that's holding you back? Do you have some fear that's in your way? Or is there some shame? That the enemy keeps reminding you of that you just need to allow God to nail to the cross and put behind what, Whatever it is today, can you do that? You know, every once in a while I uh, I'll come in the sanctuary during the course of the week and and I'll I'll just walk around to do laps around the sanctuary and and I'll pray as, as I walk. And it's last week I was in here and I was I was thinking about some things and I was praying through a lot of a lot of various things and when I got done walking, I walked over to the piano and I learned some years ago to, to play a little bit by ear and I sat down at the keyboard and I just start playing that old song. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to him, I freely give. And I thought, you know, I, I wanted that to be our song that we respond to today. And whatever it is that you need to surrender, whatever it is you need to let go of, whatever it is you need to just let go and let God, let's make that today, would you? I want you to go ahead and take your communion elements, if you would, and you can pull off the little cap on the bottom and take your piece of bread out and pull back the top that has your juice and. And this morning, let these elements remind you of the great love that God has for you and the tremendous price that has been paid for your tableland life. And Rachel's gonna lead us in this song. And after we've sung this song, I'm, I'm gonna lead us in a prayer today. Let this be your time of surrender before the Lord. Lord Jesus, how we thank you today that you allowed yourself to be placed on a cross, and put to death on our behalf. It was your way as our shepherd of preparing the table before us in the presence of our enemy. You laid down your life that we might live the rich and abundant life that you wanted to give us. You gave your all so that you could lead us as our shepherd to the places that you've called us to go. Lord, how thankful we are. Lord, today, help us let go. Help us let go of whatever it is, Lord, that's keeping us from embracing this life, whether it be our desire to to be our own God, whether it be hurts that are still there taking over from the past, whether it be our our fears of of what's going on around us or, or whether it be the shame, Lord, of the enemy who never lets us forget the things that we've done. Father, I pray today that you would help us to embrace you as our good shepherd who wants to lead us to those higher pastures, those better places, those rich and satisfying lives that you have prepared for us to have. Lord, we hold in our hands this little wafer that represents your body that was broken, this juice that represents your blood that was spilt. We remember today that from that cross, you said, it is finished. Help us trust the grace that you have provided. In your precious name, we pray today. And everyone said together, amen and amen.